do you guys want to talk about maybe bottom six and then, uh, you know, some of the defensive breakdowns that happened on the, the Dallas goals? Well, I mean, bottom six, I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like those guys were some spark, were spark plugs for these guys, for the Bruins tonight. I thought I thought Loco had a good bounce back performance. I thought AJ Greer played well all night. I thought Frederick, um, you know, I, I think Fre- we we've talked about this in the past few episodes. I feel like Frederick has lost a bit of his offensive confidence just from being further down in the lineup. And um, but I thought he competed too. So I um, I thought the bottom six was uh, was up to the task tonight against a, a big physical Dallas team. Yeah, especially that fourth line of. Greer, Frederick, and Loco, you know, first off, you know, some kind of a nice nod of confidence from Montgomery to go back to them, uh, you know, not try to have Sweeney call someone else up or whatever, because that line basically got, basically the entire line got benched for a period, and Loco wound up benched for the second half of the game. Um, I thought all of them responded well, especially Loco. We know, you know, it was, his turnover that led to the second goal against Washington thought he had a really strong game against Dallas. Um, Greer had some chances like the, he almost the scored line. when he was up on the Bergeron line. So yeah, like that whole, that whole line just played well and really kind of responded exactly the way you want, because it's something like that. Like I know, you know, when I tweeted out that like Glauco had gotten bench or whatever, people were like, Oh, it's Bruce Cassidy bag. Like, you know, this is like a Cassidy move, right? You make a mistake, you get benched. And, uh, you know, sometimes with Cassidy, we would see guys not really respond to that and play kind of timid the next time out. And I didn't think that's what this line did. Like, I thought they responded the right way and played with some aggression. And, you know, you mentioned energy, Brian, like brought plenty of it. I have a question about, Craig Smith because Craig Smith was kind of the odd man out in some of these changes in the third where you're moving you know you're moving Pasternak around which moves a few other pieces around and and Craig Smith ends up not getting a shift for a little bit while they're changing the lines uh up to try to get things going what did you guys think of Smith I just feel like he's kind of he's just lost in the shuffle he's just not the effort's always there, but there's no role for him on a specific line. He's not producing. Um, I, I mean this in the nicest way possible, but he, he's just kind of a body out there. I don't really, it, it's kind of, I don't know. I feel bad because he's, like, he, 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 when he first came to Boston a couple of years ago, like he was a 20 goal scorer in Nashville, um, predominantly over his career. And I believe he may have put up 20 that year for the Bruins too, or close, to, or at least on pace for it if it was a full 82 game season. I don't know. But um so he has that he has that scoring touch. I just feel like things just seem to be happening too quick for him out there, at least to be to be finishing um from a point producing standpoint. But I don't know, Scott, how do you feel about him? Yeah, I think exactly what you said. Like there just doesn't he, he all season long he's just struggled to find a home and I think that continues, you know he gets a chance to move up in the lineup with DeBrusque out doesn't really, isn't really able to take advantage. And I don't put that entirely on him. Like we mentioned, you know, Bergeron and Marchand aren't playing their best. Like maybe if they were that, that would have lifted Smith up and gotten him going. But the combination of like those two being a little off and then Smith kind of being off all year, it was just kind of doomed to, to not work. Um, Then he gets moved back down and, 
like I just, you know, the fourth line has been his most common home, but I just mentioned like Greer, Frederick, Lauka were playing well. So you weren't really splitting that up. The only reason they split it up at any point was to get Frederick a couple shifts with uh, Coyle and Hall on, on the third line. So yet another way, like Smith just gets, gets shuffled out. Um, Pasenak's basically getting double shifted the entire third period. So there go a bunch of right wing shifts. I was, I was just looking. Pasenak had 10 shifts in the third period, um, including, I think it was seven over the final 12 minutes. So he would like, it's basically like he gets off the ice 30 seconds. He's back on. Like it was, um, you know, clearly Montgomery was trying to get him out with the top two lines as much as possible. And then to the point Bridger made earlier, like he also ended up with a shift on the fourth line and it's like, all right, well, there's fewer opportunities for Craig Smith to get on the ice. Yeah. He was someone that I, I just noticed he wasn't out there for, for a while. And, and um, he ended up with more minutes than Greer, but that's because that, that fourth line wasn't out there too much in early in the game. Um, now, do you guys want to talk a little bit about the defense? Because um, on the two goals that the Bruins gave up, there were a few, um, you know, defensive breakdowns that that led to it. Um, looking at that that first goal, the I believe it was the Robertson goal was the first goal, or no, the Hintz goal was the first goal. Um, really, it, it all happened really fast. It was the perfection line out on the ice, um, and it was Pasternak's guy. Hintz was Pasternak's guy. He didn't crash fast enough. But did what else did you guys see on that play that they could have done better? Well, I think I think Dallas presents a ton of challenges for a lot of teams um, with their size and speed and transition. I think that's kind of what you saw in that situation. Um, I, I'm trying to think back exactly what happened. It kind of just seemed like he just broke through there, uh, and you know, I didn't love the goal either. Um, you know, Allmark just kind of let up the backhand on the ice. Didn't love either goal by Allmark, but I thought, I mean, he still played really well outside of those. Um, I think the, it was like a failed switch by Carlo and Krejci as as guys well, crossed and and they entered the zone yeah i think that one the robertson one for sure i know was carlo and Krejci, and that was just again but but i will say and i'll you know scott can give his two cents on on the goals i did i did think the bruins defense uh unit played really well against dallas tonight especially um in the defensive zone so like oh, the, the two goals were in transition we've, we've noted that in the d zone i thought that the bruins they were physical. Um, and I think they were up to the task. Like Dallas has a lot of big players. I know, you know, Mason Marshman, somebody who's out there running around. Um, so I, I thought from a physicality standpoint, um, Boston's decor rose to the occasion tonight, um, but they got burned in transition a couple of times in those goals you mentioned. Yeah. And I mean that, that Robertson hands Pavelski line can make a lot of teams, uh, you know, contest a lot of defenses in transition or in the zone. Um, Brian, to your point, like, I also think all Mark like has to take some blame for that. And, you know, we're recording like as post game is happening. So I don't know if all Mark talked after or not. Uh, but I would imagine he would like, he, he got beat five hole along the ice on both of them. And, you know, those are goal and not from like s- super in close. Like they, you know, it's not like they were right on top of the crease. So I would imagine those are two goals that he wants to have back. And I think if he does make those saves or even one of them, then we're not really talking about like the defense getting burned. We're talking about 
um, you know, like B caliber saves on decent chances. Um, but because they end up in the back of the net, then you notice, you know, where the breakdowns happen that allowed that. But again, that's a line that's going to create looks and like, you know, so I'm not, I'm not super concerned about the defense. I, I do. I agree with Brian. I think they played pretty well overall against a really good team. Um, and the two goals that they gave up weren't like the highest of grade eight chances. They were, they were decent looks that probably should have been saved. Yeah. And that Clifton had a great hit at the very end of the second period um, on Delandria, which was kind of funny. And it, I was literally as the, the horn sounded on the second, it was just a massive hit. Um, and he played well. Lindholm played well. Uh, to your point about Allmark and the Bruins defense, they killed off um, all the uh, penalties that they got, um, including part of a five on three. So it was four penalties they killed um, about a minute, just under a minute of five on three that they had to kill off. And then they have to kill off a penalty in overtime. And on all of those, the Bruins defense looked solid. Carlo Forbert looked good penalty killing. Um, and Allmark did a really good job in overtime. Uh, and at the end of the third to keep that from, you know, being over um, and letting Dallas score. See, ironically enough, I feel like as well as Boston's PK was tonight, watching Dallas's power play, despite not being able to score tonight, I was, I kept thinking to myself, like, that's, that's what the Bruins do when their power play is clicking. Like, you know, you'll see Robertson or, or, or Heiskanen just kind of like, throwing at the net, you know, no, nothing, nothing crazy. Just create, just create a chance, create a scramble. Um, you know, they're looking for sticks down low and whatnot. And um, so it, on the one hand, it was a great job by the Bruins to, to kill those off, especially that extended five on three you mentioned. And of course the, the four on three in overtime. But um, I, I think the Bruins, so the, good in the penalty on the PK unit, but I think, I feel like the power play unit could just, just take a couple of notes from a team like Dallas because it's like, for Christ's sake, like the, the power play has been, it's been killing the Bruins at, at, at points in games over, over this 0 for 20, 0 for 21 stretch where it's like you, your power play absolutely can lose you momentum if you squander it the way the Bruins do. Like they don't even, they aren't even setting it up at this point. And like, I'm not trying to like, you know, tell NHL players how to run up, you know, especially some of the best offensive players in the world, how to, how to run a power play. Um, but it's, cl- I, I think at one point tonight, I, I, I picked up on the hot mic. I, I think uh, like I could hear Martian on the bench, like yelling at somebody on the Bruins bench, but, like the whole effing sides open or something like that. It's like, you know, the guys care. They have a lot of pride in what they do, but you can definitely sense that they're very, very frustrated with how things are going. And it's starting to creep into their, their play because they're gripping the sticks too tight. Yeah, 0 for 3 on the night, so now it's an 0 for 20 stretch uh, and only two shots on goal on three power plays. So to your point, like, just into the point I made with, like, the top line, like, just start getting into the net. Like, you know, I know they're they're doing the whole shot quality over quantity thing, but when you're not getting the quality either, like, it's okay to just try quantity for a little bit and see if that get something going, see if you can get an ugly one. Like uh, clearly whatever else they're doing isn't working. And we did see another change. You know, we've seen a few changes from Montgomery over this, this stretch here, but the latest one is uh, he moves 
Felino up to the top unit tonight. Um, you know, we had t- touched on this on the last podcast. I didn't love the look that had, you know, Marshand as kind of the sort of net front guy, but he doesn't really play at the net front. Like, I, I didn't love that because I, I feel like they were missing more of a true net front presence. Felino gives them that, but it didn't didn't matter tonight. Uh, they didn't even really get the opportunities to take advantage of that. Um, again, another thing that, you know, DeBrusque helps when he returns because he was playing well in that role, but that switch alone, like whatever's going on in the net front, doesn't matter if pucks aren't getting there in the first place. So, you know, it's, it's everyone else has to, has to figure it out and has to do a better job just getting, getting pucks around that net front area. Um, even if it's ugly, like, like you said, Brian, like even if it's just throwing it down there, looking for sticks, skates, whatever. But even I feel like even the bumper area, they haven't been able to get the puck to as much recently either. Like they haven't been able to kind of get that like triangle passing going. They they haven't been able to get it into the into the middle, whether that be in the crease or in the slot very much. Well, to your point earlier, Bridget, like they're not Bergeron in particular, the last, you know, couple of weeks of games, I mean, obviously take away the, the two weeks that they had off, like. And, and maybe my eyes are deceiving me, but I just feel like he's lost a few more, you know, off at his own faceoffs on a, to start a power play than he has in the past, and and that's a killer, right? Like if you if you not if you don't have possession off of a faceoff, well then they're they're icing it, and it takes off 25, 30 seconds, and now you have to start getting that zone entry that you've been struggling to do, and then when they do get in the zone, like you're again the the puck retrieval uh without debrusque just hasn't been as good and i can't and this is nothing against debrusque i'm honestly dumbfounded that i'm sitting here saying that the puck retrieval has gone to gone to waste because debrusque isn't there like other people should be able to retrieve pucks you have five guys they have four so it's just like everything about the power play they're overthinking it they're overthinking the face-offs the entries the puck retrievals and then when they do have possession that's when the real overthinking happens. So I don't, I think they're just going to work their way out of it. it. Honestly, it can just take a, a game where they go, you know, three for four in a power play and, and they're off and running. I think, you know, I think Pasternak scoring tonight in overtime was big for him. Um, it's, you know, the guy's got what, 39 goals in the year, 38 going into tonight. You don't really think he needs a confidence boost, but when you are that good and you have a miniature hiatus from scoring, um, it's good for him to get, that that one tonight for him as well, and and maybe that can translate to the power play next next chance they get. Well, in McAvoy on on that winning goal, seeing one of his passes to Pasternak end up in the net, where you know as the quarterback of the top unit, I'm sure he's feeling kind of feeling some pressure of like I'm not making enough happen. You know, my passes aren't leading to good chances. Uh, so even just for him to to see that connection work like maybe that can help translate to the power play somehow yeah he he put it right in the area Posnock needed it to to shoot it so and and it's kind of funny as i was getting my stuff to to come down and record i saw the the highlight of Posnock on the finish and he just falls down and like goes upside down on his back like he was so excited about that goal i mean sometimes scoring one in overtime makes you feel even a little bit better about it but um i want to he looked like an upside down turtle he did he he did a little bit there